0: Use promo code MADNESS50. That's MADNESS50 to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today.
1: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. So, yeah, you know, as a senior, I want to go. You know, I, I, I want to prolong my season. I want to I keep playing ball and, and uh, take us to a good bowl and hopefully do well there. But on top of that, you know, that's something for our younger guys that uh, you know, that's just
0: more repetitions going into next season.
2: The season will be where we make it, however we intend to go out on this upcoming Saturday basically predicts the way our season, the way our season goes.
0: You know, you gotta have the right attitude. You know, sometimes it's not going as well as we want it to go. You know, we just gotta make sure we keep grinding. You know, we we can uh, we can either give up or we can just keep grinding this season out, keep working together. Because at the end of the day, you know, we got seniors on this team that this their last year, and uh, we don't want to give up on them. Just like they're not giving up on us, and uh, they want to go out the right way. We want we want them to go out the right way. We play for these seniors. You know, no matter the results, we want to fight to the end. I told them we're
1: going to coach football and practice football on Monday, and we're going to continue to uh, work to get better. Everybody that wants to do that will be there. I, I think that this group will be.
0: Well, that sets the stage here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. As you heard, Mike Riley and and several of the players trying to just put their hands around what was another uh, emotional kind of gut-wrenching loss to Northwestern where... Seemingly, Nebraska played well enough to win that game, guys, in a lot of areas. But you give up a pick six for a touchdown. Um, You you let a quarterback who really doesn't run have two runs for nearly 120 yards. and, and, And that was the difference, Robin, when you look at Saturday's game. I mean, Nebraska's defense, in a lot of respects, played well enough to win that game. Special teams, though, did not show up. Nebraska could not run the ball on offense. Um, just a very inconsistent performance across the board.
3: Yeah, I think that that was as much as anything what you just said there. Nebraska the averaged 2.2 yards a carry on 39 rushing attempts and had to throw the ball 48 times. I mean, that's not a recipe for success in any season, any year, any. Game that Nebraska has to be able to establish the run, and that's kind of been the story all season long. I mean, the inconsistency in the running game—we've been talking about it since spring practice—and it has yet to be addressed uh, or fixed or have any sort of progress made. I mean, it, once they start looking like they got the to the, turn the corner in the running game, they have another setback, and Saturday was you know, just the latest of those setbacks, and uh, put a lot of pressure on Tommy Armstrong, and he didn't respond well to that pressure, and uh, you know, obviously, like you said, uh, just a couple breakdowns by the. Defense defense which played pretty well overall ended up uh, being their undoing here's what it comes down to for me on the first play of the fourth quarter drew brown kicks a field
4: goal to put nebraska up 22 20 the defense forces a three and out on the next possession so the nebraska offense comes out with 14 minutes left with in the a game. chance to with a chance i mean if you have a six seven minute touchdown drive there that game is probably on ice and nebraska goes three and out Northwestern scores on their next possession. And what was their
0: first and second down play on that drive?
4: Uh, a newbie rush up the middle for two yards. Uh, Armstrong pass to P- L for five yards, and then an incompletion of Western camp. It's on third and three. Yeah, I mean that—that's what it comes. In. Like a good team right there comes out and puts Northwestern away. It steps on Northwestern's throat, crushes their esophagus and just ends that thing <laughs> no table pounding please no table pounding. I'm gonna be
0: a press box announcer guy here <laughs> but you're fired up
4: I, well I'm I'm just saying like that's what a legitimate college football team would do that's what an upper echelon college football team does and I think you know we understand well at this point in the season obviously Nebraska's not that team
0: and when you look at the issues with the offense it, it's hard to grasp is it Tommy's inconsistency is it the offensive line is it the drop passes is it that they don't have an elite running back I mean it's so hard to know what the issue is right now with this offense uh, because different things show up each week but Saturday I felt like we haven't seen this offensive line get whipped like they did and it's Northwestern I mean they are a good defense statistically but you think of Nebraska you think at Northwestern, you think Nebraska is going to have a significant edge in the lines and they did not.
3: Yeah. And again, it goes back to not getting that push in the running game. I mean, it's to the point now where, you know, as soon as they get a couple, you know, negative plays or no gain plays that, um, you know, they're just so hesitant to stick with that running game just because I don't think they believe in their offensive line to be able to wear down opposing defensive fronts. And so again, that basically makes them put a lot more onus on Tommy Armstrong to move the football and, um, as we've seen more, more and more, seemingly every week, he's falling back uh, into those same bad habits that you know have plagued him for the last, especially you know, when the two protections and a half years. out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, he's throwing off his back foot. He's you know double clutching and throwing balls where they're not supposed to be, and getting pick six for game winning touchdowns. Uh, it's it's just basically a, a complete formula for disaster for this offense when they can't run the ball. Because if they can't run the ball, everything else suffers because of it.
0: He just doesn't know how to step up in the pocket either. I mean, I think. His, very true. His natural
3: – It's to run uh, backwards. It's to run
0: backwards and avoid the pressure where, you know, you see the pro guys in this type of system, mm-hmm. they're sliding up, they're sliding up, and and they're getting away from the rush angle to make their throws. And Tommy, that's just not his game.
4: And I think we've, we've seen that when Nebraska's offense is clicking, Tommy Armstrong is a very effective – You know, starting Big Ten quarterback, if you look at really the non-conference slate and then that Minnesota game, he looked tremendous. But when Nebraska can't run the ball and when – Balance. Yeah, and like you mentioned, Sean, when the offensive line is not protecting, when the receivers are dropping passes – that's when things start to go downhill. If this offense has to lean too heavily on Tommy Armstrong, that's when uh, Nebraska really starts to struggle. He makes some
0: questionable decisions. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we put a wrap on Northwestern. Nebraska will travel to Purdue here on Saturday. Uh, The Boilermakers are 1-6. In any of the power ranking type things you see on the websites, uh, they are the 14th ranked team in the Big Ten. So this is a game on the road. Uh, you expect Nebraska to win. Ross Aide Stadium is like playing at Seacrest Field. I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, it's it's nothing um, that that's going to move the meter um, as far as. And I'm sorry, John Neatawa, our friend and colleague from the World Herald, who's a Purdue alum. <laughs> it's there's nothing to the imagination about um, that stadium as far as atmosphere goes. So this is a game, guys. Nebraska should win, but the twist that we're, and we'll talk more about this in our next segment on the offense, but probably know Tommy Armstrong Riker Fife uh, will more than likely be the starting quarterback and, and that, that's going to make it sure fun on Saturday
3: yeah if you ask Danny Langsdorf there's no drop off uh, what he said to us on Tuesday following practice was that uh you know they're not going to change their game plan they're not going to quote unquote reinvent the wheel with what they're doing if Riker fife is out there uh so they they think that you know there's they are be able to do what they do offensively with Riker in there and um you know i mean normally i would say if tommy armstrong's not out there this is a crushing blow but at this point with the way he's been playing i mean I don't know. I, I hate to say that in any game they're better off without him, but uh, maybe a breath of fresh air will be good for this offense as a whole, and other guys will kind of feel the, the need to step up, that they can't just rely on Tommy to go out there and make plays to beat him. So uh, maybe, maybe this is the, the, a shot in the arm, a little uh, blessing in disguise type situation for Nebraska. Yeah, I'm not buying <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, i try, try to look less. I, off I appreciate
4: here, you trying to put uh, lipstick on the pig there, but that's I, – I don't know. I think Nebraska's in a lot of trouble if Tommy Armstrong can't play.
0: Well, and, and it looks he hasn't practiced all yeah. week. so It's kind of looking that way. <laughs> it will be interesting to see kind of just – I think the one advantage they will have, though, is they've prepared for Riker to be the guy. It's not like they've built a game plan for Tommy Armstrong um, to put him in, and then he's going to get pulled with an ankle injury or foot injury in the first quarter. Then you have all of a sudden Riker 5 inserted into a game Mm -hmm. with a game plan that was designed for Tommy. Hopefully, you know, they've been able to tailor a game plan for Riker knowing his level, you know, knowing what he can do.
3: And they're fairly similar quarterbacks. I mean, just from a skill set standpoint, I mean, they're both mobile guys that, you know, are good on the run. So. Uh, you know, like, like Langsdorf said, I don't think they need to completely revamp what they do offensively. But, you know, we've been saying it all show so far. The key is run the ball. Don't make Riker 5 have to go out there and beat Purdue with his arm because it's not going to work. It and, wouldn't work with Tommy either because it hasn't worked all years. you got to be able to run the ball effectively. And given. Purdue
0: is last in the
3: conference in uh, yeah, something run. And, uh, Yeah, what are they, 106 nationally or something? 200 like plus yards a game. Yeah, so, I mean, the opportunity is there for this offensive line and these running backs to go out there and go win a game and they have to do that because uh, like Dan said I, I don't necessarily think you feel too good about Riker 5 going out there and you know carrying this team on his shoulders
0: all right when we come back we'll continue the discussion of the offense and I'll chime in more thoughts on Riker Fife and, and and just kind of what I expect to see uh, that's next here you're listening to the Husker online show
1: you're listening to huskeronline.com your authority on Nebraska athletics
2: he said he's day-to-day, so I'm just preparing as if I'm going to start. So I don't know. He hasn't told me much. He just said he's icing it. He hasn't given me much information. He hasn't told me so.
3: I don't know. Uh, I think he's better. i do not sure how good he is. We'll, we'll, we'll know more about it later, but I thought Riker came and
2: did some nice things today. I thought he looked good in practice and and uh, got him a lot of good work. So it even if, uh, well, at this time of year with a guy that hasn't had as many reps, it's always good to get him. Get him uh, kind of those one reps and, and get him back up to speed a little bit more. i um, just keep doing what I'm doing, like uh, just the way I've been practicing. Just, you know, not get too high, not get too low. Just, uh, you know, go out and just do what I'm supposed to be, you know, what I'm supposed to be coached to do. So.
0: And that was Nebraska quarterback Riker Fife and offensive coordinator Danny Langsdorf talking about the potential situation they could be dealing with this weekend in West Lafayette and. Um, You know, there's really only been a handful of walk-on quarterbacks to start in the modern era. Obviously, Ron Kellogg, um, you know, the last couple years ago for Bo Pelini's team when Martinez got hurt, and then you'd have to go way back to Monte Cristo, um, started a game for Frank Solage. Then before that, obviously, the legendary Matt Turman game in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, So there have not been um, very many walk-ons ever to start at Nebraska at the quarterback position, because quite frankly... Um, for a walk-on guy to beat out who you invest the money on at what is really the money position. Pretty worrisome. Um, You know, and it's interesting that A.J. Bush has just fallen off the map because I think if we were to be asked this hypothetically in the spring, you know, if Tommy were to be hurt week 9, week 10, Mm -hmm. who would you put your money on to be the starter? I think everybody would have just assumed A.J. Bush or maybe even – yeah, after that Zach, spring game, Zach Darlington. Oh, Darlington, yeah. And here we are. Zach Darlington hasn't traveled. A.J. Bush is just kind of a dude on the team. And, um, you know, I'll be curious if they take Darlington on this trip because they've been only taking three quarterbacks. Will Tommy be kind of an emergency number three role where they could put him in if they had to? Or will they take Darlington as as the third guy on Saturday?
3: I would be surprised if they didn't take Tommy. I mean, if nothing else. They'll take
0: Tommy, I think, regardless. Yeah, yeah.
3: So, I, I just think – the way Langsdorf made it sounds, it's it's just kind of questionable right now with with, with Tommy, and so I, I guess as an emergency situation, I don't think is completely out of the question. So, uh, but m- more to your point about, uh, you know, Riker beating out AJ Bush and Zach Darlington. I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, the, the fact coming out of spring, uh, you know, I think uh, Riker was last on that list. And then you add in the fact that he wasn't here all summer. lost 23 pounds. Yeah. lost 23 pounds with that personal issue and uh, came back. And I think most people were thought it was a matter of, you know, will he even be around next year? Now he's going to potentially start a game on Saturday. So it's been quite a turnaround for him. But uh, with with Bush, athletically, he's got everything I think that the coaches want. That's why you saw him get so many reps in the spring game. They wanted to really kind of test him out and just see where he was. And uh, I think clearly just from a mental standpoint uh, picking up the offense, he's really struggled in that regard. And then Zach Darlington with his injuries. I mean, he's basically been their scout team guy. So, I mean, he's not even hasn't even been in the mix all season up and probably till about this week. I don't want to throw too much dirt on the former staff, but if you go back
4: and look at the quarterback recruiting that they put together, it's really kind of scary and, frankly, kind of amazing that Nebraska was able to stay this relevant considering how many misses they had in the quarterback recruiting game.
0: And a part of the issue, I think, with it was when you start freshman, because Tommy Armstrong ended up becoming a starter mm-hmm. as a freshman, Taylor Martinez started as a freshman, you basically scare away everybody. I mean, think how many guys – Taylor Martinez ran out of town because oh, yeah. he was the starter, and Cody Green obviously left. And um, you know, it just—it's hard to recruit quarterbacks when you start a freshman because if that freshman shows any kind of promise, then the other guys like, "Well, I'm not going to beat that guy out. It's going to be hard to beat him out by playing the numbers games and the odds." And I think that's another reason why the quarterback situation is what it is. And Patrick O'Brien is walking into an unreal situation next year.
4: Yeah, that, thats a great point, Sean. Unless you're Urban Meyer who somehow gets a whisper, a four-, a four or five-star quarterback every single season. It, it's tough to do that. And, yeah, I agree with you. I think Patrick O'Brien is – it's a very odd situation because Tommy's going to be a senior. You know, he's going to be – of uh, uh, basically a fourth year
0: starter. Captain again, probably.
4: Yeah, but Patrick O'Brien is coming in, and, you know, I think he, he might, if he's able to come in and play really well, especially because he's enrolling early, he might at least throw his name into that conversation.
0: Yeah, let's read Patrick O'Brien's stats right now, if, if you're curious. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's done this year. Um, he's completing 78.2% of his passes, uh, 176 for 225 for 2,203 yards and 23 touchdowns, uh, just five interceptions. Uh, But what's even more impressive, and this is over eight games, um, he's only, um, he's rushed for uh, 530 yards on 76 carries. So he's not just some stiff wooden Indian statue back there. He's a guy that can run a little bit too.
3: If somehow a true freshman is able to come in next season and beat out a three-year starter senior for the job, there might be some turmoil just because, or just yeah. because of the, the locker room and the, the amount of respect a it's lot of gotta players have. It's got to be
0: clear-cut, concise. Right,
3: but here's the deal. Winning solves everything. If Patrick O'Brien comes out there and is ended up to, to completely turn around this offense, and you know they start winning games, uh, you're, that, that that all the hard feelings about Tommy Armstrong being benched will go away. I promise you that. Getting back to the present, Sean, you were the one who really kind of uh, I don't know if broke the news,
4: but you know you were kind of the first ones who reported that. Riker Fife is probably going to be the guy this weekend. What do you expect to see from him and how Nebraska kind of crafts its game plan with him as
0: a starter? I think you have to be simple. Um, I, I think you just tell them, hey, buddy, get the ball to, to Pearson L and Westercamp and Brandon Riley, and they're going to make you look pretty good. But you got to get them the ball. And uh, you have to make your reads and, and 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 stay composed. Hopefully the running game supports him. Yeah. And, and that that's probably the biggest key. But um, you hate to use this phrase, but he's got to be a game manager. It's just an overused, Absolutely. Baltimore Ravens phrase. Um, but um, you know, you, you want Tommy Armstrong to be, or not Tommy Riker to be a game manager, and, and just not lose the game, and don't try to win the game. Just manage the game, and, and let the game take care of itself. And I, I think he's mature enough to do that. And um, I trust Langstorff with his experience, um, and Mike Riley with quarterbacks that. They will have this kid ready to go. Um, they just can't expect him to, um, you know, do everything that maybe Tommy was doing in in the playbook.
3: Well, one thing we haven't even talked about are the the conditions too. I mean, not only is this a you know former walk on. Uh, making his very first collegiate start on the road it, there's just about a 70% chance of rain out in west mm-hmm. lafayette and so it's this gonna week be cold too. yeah this week in practice they've actually had buckets of water by the quarterbacks and they're dunking footballs in the water before each rep just so you know the quarterbacks can get used to throwing a, a wet ball wet yeah ball. and so it, that that, that is another factor that is going to you know go against uh, you know putting too much on Riker Fife. So more than ever, they're going to have to run the ball, run yep. the ball. I'll, I'll say it a thousand times, run the ball.
0: Now, Dan Daryl Hazel said this week on the Big Ten call they're going to be pretty aggressive, take a lot of chances. I mean, you get that impression uh, with a desperate team that, especially now knowing Riker Fife could be the guy, that they're just going to they're going to come at him with you know every possible look they can
4: oh yeah i mean purdue first of all you know i think this coaching staff understands that their feet are to the fire right now they are walking on some very thin ice so so i think they were already kind of coming into a game with a gambler's mentality now you've got a oh you know a walk-on quarterback i know he's on scholarship now originally a a walk-on quarterback who's never started a game never really taken legitimate snaps if you're their defensive coordinator, how do you not just blitz the heck out of him? I mean, try and make him uncomfortable, try and force some early turnovers. Because, and you brought this up pre-show, Robin. I thought it was a really good point. What happens if Riker Fife runs into a little adversity? What happens if he takes a sack on the, uh you know, a sack or two on the first couple series, or if he throws a pick uh, on Nebraska's first possession? How does he bounce back mentally from that? We just don't know.
0: And briefly, I want to. Offensive line will be big this week. Um, Nick Gates. Do you guys expect him to play Saturday?
3: No yeah it's it, they asked lanesdorf that actually uh, on tuesday and you know he, he wouldn't give me a clear answer and i asked when nick gates even if it's not this week when he's healthy enough to return does he get that starting job back and he said no not necessarily i think zach stirrup is going to be uh, a factor one way or another even if he's starting or rotating in
4: when asked about it mike cavanaugh he you know <laughs> he, he said he hopes to have him out there but he did not look encouraged at all i think they're Full preparing to go and with stirrup again.
0: Pretend like you're Mike Cavanaugh, I'm the reporter. Coach, um, what are your thoughts on maybe rotating on the offensive line this week?
3: <sighs> <laughs>
4: Mike Cavanaugh does not want to hear about rotating on the offensive line. He made it very clear the other day, as he's done several times, that the gap between the starters and the backups is... He thinks is very large right now. It was hilarious as this line of questioning. He answered probably four or five questions about this the other day in practice, and he had a empty Gatorade bottle in his hand. And I think he's just doing it subconsciously. Didn't even notice. But as he's answering these questions, he's getting angry and just pounding this Gatorade bottle. (laughs) Yes, he was so upset. Just. And really, I mean, we we don't have enough time to get into this totally, but it's kind of a ridiculous
0: thing that we talk about this so much. Yeah, it's it's like the scene in Office Space with the TPS reports, and, and you, you keep asking Mike Gavanaugh um, if, if he... Got the memo on the TPS He's just not liking the uh, the question about it every single day by every single person. Welcome to Nebraska, uh, Coach Kavanaugh, where everybody thinks they are the offensive line coach. When we come back, we'll shift over, and we'll talk defense. Will Nebraska be healthier this weekend in West Lafayette? That's next. You're listening to Husker Online Show.
1: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: As long as we can contest the catch, I think
2: uh, all of us as well as you guys, you know, that that's what you want to see. The guys are going to catch the ball, they're
0: on scholarship too, but you want to see them being able to contest the catch. And back here on the Husker Alliance show, that was secondary coach Brian Stewart talking about just, he, he likes the improvement his guys have at least have shown of just contesting uh, wide receivers more. They have done a better job of, uh, of getting their hands on the ball. So. Um, definitely um, something that has gotten better. And this week, um, they shouldn't be tested that much by Purdue's passing game um, as far as what they want to do. Um, you know, Purdue is a team that on third and six, third and five, their passing game has been so poor that they have run the ball. Um, they, they do not want to throw uh, David Blau or Blow, or will be the starting quarterback for them on Saturday, and has been a turnover machine. Their offense has been a turnover machine so if the defense can at least just put Purdue in, in tough situations i mean you have to like their chances this week
3: right yeah don't give away any cheap shots downfield i mean that's kind of what undid them against northwestern uh, just and that was just with missed tackles in open field on a surprisingly uh, agile quarterback but uh the last two weeks yeah i think the secondary which you know was the the cause of so much you know uh, concern uh and and uh, conflict with the way they were playing and just covering D balls has looked really good over the last two games. I mean they didn't create any turnovers last week, but uh we've started to see them contest passes a lot better and just, you know, not give up those, you know, chunks of yards that they were doing so often uh, through the you know previous few games.
4: Yeah, Purdue is completing um fifty four point three percent of their passes this year. Nine touchdowns versus eleven picks. Their leading receiver has three hundred twenty-one yards. I mean, this is not a passing offense that really scares you. The running backs are the strength right now. Yes, gonna... and and they're to be fair, their running backs are good pass catchers, and that's something that has hurt
0: Nebraska. They've on the linebackers.
4: Yes, they've gotten hurt by some of those running backs coming out of the backfield. So that's something they'll have to nail down this week.
0: The thing about this defense, though, is the 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 linebackers aren't like the middle linebackers, not put on the running back one on one. It's a drop zone always for him. So it's a little bit different than Bo Pelini's where you could isolate a Duke Johnson on mm-hmm. Josh Banderes. Um so you, you hope it's a little bit more user-friendly where but you know Northwestern I thought isolated Justin Jackson on the right matchups and, and that was kind of what only, the only thing they did in, in the passing game on Saturday was find those isolation matchups and you have to think that North or uh, Purdue is going to do something similar
3: yeah absolutely and that, that one of those passes to Justin Jackson came on a 28 yarder on the final drive that you know almost, he's a crusher that, is, that a, is that on a third down I don't think so. No, either way. It was a, one of those plays that. Uh, you know, Nebraska had a chance to get the ball back with, you know, plenty of time left on the clock and they weren't able to get the stop. And that kind of. It was on third down. It was on I the apologize. third down. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they so extended the drive and uh, really just kind of uh, sealed the game. I mean, because Northwestern was able to bleed out the clock. And so those types of matchups, Nebraska has to do better in the, the open field coverage on those running backs. Because, like we've said, I mean, those are really the only weapons Purdue's offense has. Now,
0: defensively on the line, it looks like Kevin Marie should be back this week and that should allow Greg McMullen to play inside and outside, but mm-hmm. more naturally outside. Uh, Freedom Muldoon has been back, obviously. Uh, Kevin Williams, um, you know just not expected to come back. I think he tried and it's just such a nagging growing injury for him. Rose okay. Ivy's kind of in that same camp. Um, so they're, they're getting some guys back, but they're, they're still – Rose Ivy and Kevin Williams, if they can get those two guys back sometime this year, that's going to make a difference. But Maurice should help, hopefully, Saturday.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, that defensive line needs as much depth that they can get. I mean, those guys are playing so many snaps that, you know, any healthy bodies that you can get out there are, are going to be beneficial. But uh, another thing that, you know, we didn't mention yet was uh, the return of Daniel Davey. And I thought that he looked really good against Northwestern, and that was really encouraging to see because that guy was in a bad spot in that miami game i mean he got benched and uh you know mark banker said that he just didn't have that that look in his eye i mean he looked like he was completely mentally checked out and um you know then he had the groin injury that kept him out uh, for a few weeks after that and uh, so to so finally get him back, I mean, your number that one, make your number <laughs> one black shirt corner, your senior leader of that group, to get him not only back on the field, but get get uh, just that confidence back and, with him is going to change the whole secondary.
0: And Chris Jones, there was some question about him, but yeah. you know, we, we were at practice on Monday, and, yeah. and, and he looked okay, and, and, and he was doing like full sprint, jump as high as you mm. can pass routes with A.J. Bush. I mean, he was literally jumping like 10 feet in the air um, at the top of the jump to catch these balls. And so I I think Chris Jones will play Saturday. Oh, yeah, he
3: has to. No Jay
4: Rose. (laughs) And I thought he looked pretty good on Saturday, too. He got his hands on a couple passes. I thought he played well. Uh, Just going back to your point, Robin, I mean, you don't think – of cornerback is such a mental position, as something where you can you know lose your confidence and that affects your physical gameplay so much. But I think that is what we saw with Daniel Davy, and maybe just having those few weeks off to you know kind of clear his head and get some confidence back was big for him. Because I agree, I
0: thought he looked you know pretty good against mm-hmm. Northwestern. Yeah, you're you're listening here to the Husker Line Show, and I want to just as we talk defense, move on out of the fourth quarter. I think that has been when you look at the four Big Ten games. Even the Minnesota win, Nebraska's defense has played lights-out football for the first three quarters. It started at Illinois. It was 13 nothing going into the fourth quarter. They completely dominated Wisconsin for three quarters, holding the Badgers to about 230, 240 yards for the first three. Um, then, obviously, we know how, what happened in the fourth quarter. The Badgers had about 220 yards in that game. Saturday, they didn't have enough in the tank in the fourth quarter. Um, even the Minnesota game, the Gophers had that momentum where they got it to – 16, and instead of going for a touchdown, they kick the field goal to make it 13, and you're kind of holding your breath. They have to put a fourth quarter together one of these weeks, Dan.
4: Yeah, I I mean, yeah, even being up in that press box in that Minnesota game with about nine minutes left, I think Minnesota scored, and we all looked at each other, we were just like, oh, boy, here we go again. And then, you know, Northwestern actually came out and did it last weekend. It's just – You know, it's. I understand that fans are frustrated because this defense does look really good at times, and I think depth just has so much Mm -hmm. to do with it. Just that they don't have the bodies, you know, to be rotating throughout the game, and and when you've got an offense that's struggling and going, you know, like it they did against Northwestern, they had a bunch of three and outs, that really, you know, as a defense, you're tired. The offense comes out, gives the ball back right away, and then you got to go back on the field. You know, you keep doing that. Yeah, when you get to the fourth quarter, you're going to be pretty worn out.
0: Well, in this defense, too, I think they've had just so many high-stress plays. Um, It's kind of like in baseball. You talk about the pitch count, but the stress pitches. Um, So, Saturday – they didn't have a lot of plays on the field against Northwestern, but I felt like there were a lot of high-stress plays. Um, mm-hmm. You know, They had a lot of plays where they had to stop Northwestern inside the 5-yard line, inside the 3-yard line to, to try to force a field goal versus a touchdown or or, or whatnot, and, and, and that was the difficult thing. I mean, they, they weren't on the field a lot, but when they were – it was always high stress
3: yeah and i don't think it's just you know the, the fans and us in the press box that get that feeling in the fourth quarter you know as soon as things don't go their way uh, i think the players that might be in their heads now that you know it's it's how what's going to happen now what's going to happen this week you know what what terrible break can happen to us uh that will you know force us to lose this game i mean it's just because the the amount of just heartbreaking losses i think has started to take a toll on the psychology of this team uh just with the, the, them just kind of expecting the worst and so i think that in, impacts their their play on the field and uh, it's just uh, one of those things that's going to be very difficult for them to get over until they start winning and making those plays late in games.
0: And by the way, let's close here. They, they talked about uh, this week, a five-win Nebraska team still probably gets a bowl bid at this point. So, <laughs> and I know, you know, a lot of people are going to laugh about that, but you know, I, the best point I heard on why you need a bowl game, number one, the practices and the morale, but mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do is on Thanksgiving, say, all right, guys, we'll see you in January. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. the, if you don't make a bowl game, your team, is done until, like, January 15th. I mean, you want to have control of the players a little bit more and, and whatnot. So, um, this is an important game. I mean, even if Nebraska doesn't get to six, if they win this game, I sure as heck like their chances to get to five. I think we can call this a must-win. Easily. For, <laughs> every, for, for their bold
3: purposes, it's a must-win. Yes.
0: Every game, yeah. it's it's. Uh, but it should be interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll bring in Nate Klaus next segment here, guys, and, and we'll shift over to our stock watch and – um, tell you who's trending up, who's trending down. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
1: You're listening to HuskerOnline.com. Your authority on Nebraska athletics. I was really shocked. Yeah, that was that was probably contest-wise special teams against special teams. It feels the most lopsided that we've played this year, and penalties on special teams too. Really, really bothered me today.
4: We just had to do our job. Is Too many mistakes too many people you know not doing what they're supposed to do we just got to go out there and do our job the biggest mistakes was many players got to keep their composure you got to know when and when not to do certain things you know we had some penalties and stuff like that you just gotta use
3: your head in the game
0: and back here on the husker online show sean callahan uh, we bring in now Nate Klaus, Robin Washington, and Dan Halpin here as uh, we move into our stock watch segment. And uh, Nebraska's special teams, not not the kicking part of it as far as Sam Foltz and, and Drew Brown, but um, just the the overall return game and kick coverage element ha- has been downright dreadful. Um, and, and that's where we lead off our stock watch. I'm going to start things off, guys. Major stock down Uh, to Nebraska's ability to cover kicks and punts right now and also uh, their ability to return kicks and punts. I mean, even Demorne pierce for as good as he is right now, we've only seen him get one clean return, and some of that's on the punts. But the main thing we saw Saturday was Nebraska was outgained by over 100 yards in return yards by Northwestern. And when you play a team like that that doesn't have a great offense, those are some big yards. Yeah,
3: and, you know, from – Just from a coverage standpoint, I think this is one situation that may not get talked about enough about where Nebraska's lack of overall team depth. Is really starting to hurt uh, on special teams coverage. I mean, you got guys, instead of having, you know, scholarship level linebackers and uh, running backs and tight ends that, you know, may not be playing offense or defense, uh, but can contribute on special teams, they're, you know, relying on a lot of walk ons that might not be, you know, up to the the talent level of, you know, some other team's special teams. So uh, that's all starting to play into effect, and uh, you're starting to see that with the results like we saw last Saturday.
0: And Dan, I think the kick return has been the most disappointing. You've got some numbers um, as far as what the long return of the year has been in the averages i mean it's 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 pretty i mean it's about as bad as we've ever seen in nebraska
4: it's really incredible nebraska actually ranks last in the country in uh average yards per kickoff return with 14.5 i mean just think it like 20 is usually about your average that you know if you're averaging 20 yards return that's decent but not good or anything nebraska's five yards less than that burning jordan stevenson's redshirt has not been the answer Um, Nebraska's long return on the year. Stanley Morgan had a 27-yarder earlier this year. It's just been
0: bad all around. Yeah, hopefully it's going to get addressed. And Mike Riley was very critical for about us. Mike Riley, not a guy that gets overly critical about anything, but – um, I asked that question, and he just gave this scowl of disappointment mm-hmm. after the game. But let, let's move over. Uh, we'll go stock up. Start with you, Robin. What's your stock up guy right now?
3: Stock up. I'm going to go with Brandon Riley, and this is uh, more a lot based on just potential of what he could do in the coming weeks. Here, I mean, obviously he had the nice touchdown last week, and uh, when you look at with Alonzo Moore's stinger injury, you know he hasn't practiced uh, from what we've seen uh, much at all this week, uh, so his status is in doubt. De'Morne Pearson, L is still kind of trying to find his niche in this offense as uh, you know that go-to wide receiver and so Brandon Riley has kind of emerged as the number 1 target in this offense and uh, the the good thing is that he's going to get a lot more chances you know because of that but the problem is he needs to make sure that he secures the ball he does uh, tie for the team lead in drops and uh, dropped a touchdown last week against Northwestern so uh, as long as he's able to hold on to the ball he could put up some pretty gaudy numbers over the next
0: couple weeks And uh, according to Mike Riley eight drops on their books last week Uh, Dan who is your stock up
4: My stock up is Malik Collins, which, you know, if you're just looking at the stats, might not seem like he's a guy who's had a huge year, just 23 tackles, 5 for loss. More was expected out of him, but the NFL guys are still very high on him. They don't think he's had a disappointing year. Uh, Todd McShay actually just released, you know, his new list of the top NFL prospects for the next draft this morning. Malik Collins checked in at number 17 Uh, McShay's really high on him. So Malik, maybe not putting up the numbers that Nebraska fans expected, but NFL teams still very much interested in the defensive tackle.
0: And then Nate, you've got a pretty interesting one for your stock up.
2: Yeah, stock up with Keyshawn Johnson Sr. and that Calabasas, California crew. You know, coming up with a Michigan State game, it's gonna be another huge recruiting weekend and Keyshawn Johnson Sr., uh, his son, Keyshawn Jr. and uh, Brian Hightower, Markel Desmuke will all be on campus once again. Uh, that you know that makes the fifth trip uh, that the you know the Johnson family has made up here, and each time that they've come to Nebraska, they've taken at least two or three other kids from that Calabasas high school program that are all you know top 250, top one hundred type talents in the country. So uh, you know, stock up to Keyshawn Johnson Jr. He's doing work for for Nebraska, and I think it's going to pay off.
0: And then my stock up uh, Riker Fife. Uh, this is uh, a week for him that that could be life changing. Um, because obviously all signs point to him being the guy uh, with Tommy Armstrong missing this entire week of practice uh, with a foot injury. And, um, you know, you, you could just sense early in the week he was going to be the guy. I ran into him leaving the facility Monday, and uh, I was giving him a hard time. I said, hey, you better be ready this week. And, and he goes, what are you hearing? What do you know? I, mean, like, he, I think he knew on Monday that it was his week. And then even on Tuesday and Wednesday, the players were – you know, giving him a hard time. You know, calling him White Lightning and, and messing with him a little bit. Um, so I think it's his time, and, and hopefully they develop a game plan for him to have success. Um, let's move down, back to stock down. We've already I've already done special teams for mine, uh, Dan. Who's your stock down?
4: Well, it's not so much about him, but just the unfortunate circumstances for him. Poor Michael Rose Ivy, man. I mean, this is a guy who had a pretty good. Uh, redshirt freshman season, missed all last year with a torn ACL, missed the first game this year with, uh, with a suspension, comes back, plays really well for a game and a half, has a groin injury, tries to come back against Minnesota and re-injures that groin. Now we don't know when we're going to see him again. I think we all acknowledge that Michael rose Ivy's a pretty darn good linebacker. I mean, he's potentially Nebraska's best. He's a very good player, but... The poor guy just cannot stay healthy right now. Just the injuries starting to pile up, and you hope that Nebraska just holds him out for long enough this time that he can actually get healthy and of instead
0: of trying to rush him back too quickly. And we'll stick on the topic of roses and, and what your stock down.
3: Yeah, I definitely have to go with Jonathan Rose. Uh, just to, it was announced, I guess, prior to kickoff of the Northwestern game that he will be serving his second suspension already this season. Uh, this is a, a, he's a senior. Yeah, this is your senior black shirt cornerback. not a black shirt anymore yeah can't do it. can't do the right things on the field or off the field to get on the field and uh, you just can't have that and uh, during the week um, you know on Monday you know during their walkthrough he shows up still in his black shirt and uh, you know Mark Banker talks off practice and he's asked about it he's like so what what are the circumstances that uh, lead to maybe a player you know losing a black shirt and he said you know we don't really want to play games with that you know and take one away give it back but uh, you know there are circumstances and they asked if a suspension was one of them and he said yes as it so happens, next day, Jonathan Rose comes out and he's wearing a red practice jersey. So uh, obviously the, a message is being sent to him that uh, there are standards that you have to uphold to be a blackshirt, and it's not just about what you do on the field. And, Nate, finally, uh, it's been an interesting
0: early season here in the Big Ten with coaching turnover, and, and, and that's where we go with our last uh, stock down.
2: Yeah, stock down the Big Ten coaching turnover. And, you know, the, the Big Ten conference kind of has been the leading the way. You know, it started back in August with – uh, Beckman at, at Illinois, and then Kyle Flood has had all those troubles at Rutgers, and then um, you know Randy Edsall gets the axe at Maryland early on. I mean, just the all the, the the coaching carousel, you know, was really kicked off by the Big Ten this year, and um, and, and there's there could be more. And then Jerry Kill, yeah, well, boy, and now Jerry Kill, so uh, and there could be more to come. Who knows? But uh, yeah, uh, stock down to the the Big Ten coaching carousel.
0: Uh, Daryl Hazel at Purdue um, would be probably the next guy that could go much on the hot seat he's team. won five power five games in three years so <laughs> yeah,
3: i i will say that the big 10 and college football in general is now worse off without jerry kill that guy is not only an exceptional coach but a great guy and uh really a sad deal that press conference uh got, motor- got my, room. my room got a little dusty when he was sitting it there was talking. heartbreaking oh, i right.
4: mean j- to read the quotes on twitter and in articles is one thing and to watch poor jerry kill have to say those things uh, you just your heart goes out for the guy. For
0: him to have to walk away in the middle of the year, Dude, it just tells you how serious no, it is no um, that he had been not taking his medication and having some seizures and stuff he had talked about. It's just a terrible deal, and, and you hope Minnesota um, and their players can get it figured out here um, and, and, and obviously move forward from that situation. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap up the show with Nate Klaus as we'll talk Husker recruiting. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. <laughs>
1: This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Depth at linebacker and guy that can play immediately is, a, is another area because we don't have enough of those guys, whether it might even be an outside backer type that can rush the passer. We don't have enough of those guys on our team. We're probably five or six short of those kind of people. Might they? We are looking. Might they come from the junior college ranks? Yes, but they
0: you've got to be right in the junior college recruiting and back here in the final segment of the husker online show sean callahan and nate klaus as we close things up with recruiting and you know nate mike riley was asked a very interesting question just about maybe what direction they could go in recruiting with junior college guys because this is kind of that time where you get enough film now on junior college players That the available players, you you know, a lot of guys are hard to identify just off their freshman JUCO years. You're going to see a lot more players emerge in their sophomore seasons in the JUCO ranks, and um, naturally, I mean, there there are a lot of areas where Nebraska, if they can find a JUCO, would take one.
2: Absolutely. And you heard Mike Riley say there that they're looking for pass rushers and how there are maybe five or six guys um, needed to to kind of fill that role on this team right now. And, And that's what we've kind of seen them go out and target, especially in the junior college ranks here over the last week. Jonathan Kongbo out of Arizona Western is a 6'6", 260 hundred and sixty-pound defensive end. Um, you know that uh, the can rush the passer. He's got eight sacks this year. He has, um, you know, eight or eight or nine tackles for loss. Um, I mean, he's a very active player. Was named a, a JUCO uh, National Defensive Player of the Week a few a few weeks back, uh, and is an intriguing guy because he's from Canada. Only played six games of football his senior year of, of high school. I originally signed with Craig Bull in his first recruiting class at Wyoming got to Wyoming, decided, uh, you know, during his redshirt year that that's not quite the, the place for him, and so he transferred to Arizona Western because he heard that uh, that, that program produced um, you know, good players and sent players on, and uh, and really heard a lot of, about Randy Gregory. You know, it's the same program that Ra- Randy Gregory came out of, and um, you know, that, that move has paid off for him. He's blown up here, and Nebraska is in line to get a visit from him, and he'd be a big-time target, but, um, you know, aside from Jonathan Kongbo, they're Targeting a lot of you know six three six four six five, either defensive ends or or kind of outside linebackers, guys who can put pressure you know on the edge and get after the quarterback. Uh, really trying to fill those holes on this roster. And
0: Mike Riley said they're about six of those players short, whether that's an edge rushing linebacker or a traditional defensive end. And you know next year. When they burn the red, pull the red. The, once the red shirt guys come available, like Alex Davis, Deshaun Neal, and the Davis twins, that's going to help. But they still need a lot more bodies, as as we've learned. I mean, Nebraska starting two walk-ons at defensive end for the first time in, in modern day history.
2: Well, yeah, and, and what you're looking at, um, kind of playing out here, is. You know, a lot of the guys that they have targeted aren't your traditional JUCO guys. You know, Mike Riley talked about finding the right fit. Well, a guy like Jonathan Congbo would be a three for three player, which is not your traditional junior college transfer. They'd have their hands on him for three years and he'd be able to to fit into the, the system and be here and make an impact for, for quite a while. So and that's what we're seeing. They're, these guys are either mid year graduates or they're all like three for three prospects.
0: You're listening here to the Husker Online show as we wrap things up in recruiting and. Another junior college storyline, Nate, for Nebraska was Iowa Western. Uh, A lot of people have been talking about why isn't the relationship better with Iowa Western. I mean, it's uh, been kind of a hot button the last three or four seasons. Well, Iowa Western came up to Nebraska, their entire team. They conducted a walkthrough last Friday uh, before a game they were playing um, down in Kansas. Um, Did you hear anything that came out of that uh, as far as maybe – Um, you know how the the visit went down to Lincoln.
2: Well the visit went great down in in Lincoln and you know the team wasn't there for very long it was uh, you know only about an hour's worth of uh, walk through practice so nothing too serious but the good thing here I think the biggest takeaway is probably just the relationship that Nebraska is building with Iowa Western all those players on Iowa Western's roster able to kind of see the facilities I mean it's kind of a quick uh, tour but you know they basically a big
0: unofficial visit it's a
2: huge unofficial visit they're able to see the facilities they're able to get a feel for what it's like you know what the campus is like and what everything looks like so um, I think it was very important and more than anything it's just that 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 relationship building process because let's be honest the old staff they they kind of burnt that bridge with Iowa Western there were so many times where uh, the Reavers reached out to Nebraska and were pretty much ignored or just turned away and uh, that, that kind of soured the relationship and um, you know and, and now that this new staff is has come in. I think they've done more in the last eight months or so that they've been here um, in terms of building a some some type of rapport with Iowa Western than the previous regime did in in five or six years that the, the Iowa Western program's been around. So uh, that's an important development. Um, you know, maybe one thing to keep an eye on as far as players that they're looking at is uh, is Zach Martin, the the quarterback originally out of Omaha North, the son of Larry Martin, the head coach of Omaha North. Um, you know, I think that um, Nebraska is taking a look at it possibly if they go the junior college route at a quarterback, uh, taking a quarterback. You know, Zach Martin might be one of those guys to to maybe be kind of the uh, – maybe a stopgap in between Tommy Armstrong and, and Patrick O'Brien who's coming up here, maybe be an extra arm in there, a guy that uh, – Just a guy
0: that's from here that gets yeah. it, not not coming here to – you know, think he's going to the, win the job and be the star. I mean, he would just be the perfect fit, obviously, yeah. with Larry Martin's um, connection as a high school exactly. coach here in Nebraska. Exactly.
2: He's a, he, I mean, he's a, he's grown up around football. He's just a, I mean, it kind of reminds you a little bit of like the same situation when Harrison Beck was brought in under Bill Callahan. And then later on in that same year, they brought in Zach Taylor. He's who's only a,
0: a two for two guy too.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, if, if, I think if Nebraska feels like if there's going to be any attrition at that quarterback position, um, they may look Juco ranks just to bring a guy in to have an extra arm, uh, and Zach Martin could be that guy.
0: Now, there weren't a lot of visitors in, just Jack Stall, but uh, a number of unofficial in-state visitors um, just a couple takeaways on maybe some of those underclassmen, particularly the 2017 kids that were on campus. Yeah, the
2: Huskers are taking a, a pretty good look at some underclassmen. Austin Allen, a big 6'8", 215-pound tight end prospect out of Aurora. Great-looking kid. is put together an extremely impressive junior season film. I think he's the guy who's going to garner a lot of attention from Power 5 schools. Nebraska is the first team to really reach out to him. And then two interesting prospects from Bellevue West. Uh, offensive lineman Tyler Charest, you know, was 6'4", 285-pound kid, uh, extremely good offensive lineman. Uh, he's played a lot of football for Bellevue West. And then Jalen Bradley, the running back from Bellevue West, six foot, 185-pound running back who, uh, you know, Bellevue West, I think, first on the first thought is that they throw it all over the place. But Jalen Bradley's run for 1,300 yards on 130 carries. And he had
0: like 250 on Miller North, right? Yeah.
2: So, I mean, he's a very good player, uh, averaging over 10 yards a carry. I mean, he's uh, uh, uh he's a hoss. So, uh, two, you know, two or three guys there in the, the 2017 class that have kind of emerged that Nebraska is really keeping an eye on.
0: And this will be something, Nate, as we wrap it up uh, that we'll talk more about next week. Obviously, the Michigan State game, it's a 6 o'clock kickoff. Naturally, you're just going to have a lot of recruiting guys come into town. And uh, you were able to confirm and break this week. Uh, that Keyshawn Johnson and and, and that crew will be back here again.
2: Yeah, once again, the Calabasas crew will be heading to Lincoln. Keyshawn Johnson, Jr., um, uh, the 2017 wide receiver, who uh, is a four-star prospect, having an outstanding junior year. Uh, And then 2018 wide receiver Brian Hightower, who Nebraska offered this past summer after their Friday night lights camp, he's also going to be coming up uh, for the Michigan State game. And then, of course, Markel Dismuke, the Nebraska commit, will be taking his official Visit that weekend, but um, you know, fifth time uh, since last March that Keyshawn Johnson Jr. has been on campus, and I mean that's amazing when you when you really think about it. He's visited Nebraska more times since last March than he's visited USC, UCLA, or Cal combined. Uh, I think that speaks volumes as to how much uh, what he thinks about Nebraska's program. Keyshawn
0: Sr. better be getting a Christmas card from Sean Icors <laughs> and Mike Riley because he's given Nebraska a lot of positive recruiting storylines. Absolutely. So um,
2: you got to you got to feel like Nebraska is sitting in great shape with Keyshawn Johnson Jr. I think it's only a matter of time until something becomes official there. And, and if and when that happens, I, I think you'll really see a lot of momentum in that 2017 class.
0: Well, great work, Nate. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week as, as we get ready uh, for the big Michigan State weekend. And that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show.
1: Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.